Welcome to the New Life Baptist Podcast. Our mission is to love the Great Commandment, live the Great Commission, and lead one more to Jesus Christ. We thank you for listening, and we hope that you are encouraged today as we dive into God's Word. Let me invite you to take the Word of God. Let's open the Word of God and turn in the Word of God to Acts chapter 11. We're going to continue to see the church expand, continue to see the church on mission. We spent some time in Acts chapter 9 with a man named Saul. We're going to come to know him by his other name, Paul. But we also went back and forth and looked at a man named Peter. So we spent some time with Saul, went back to the ministry of Peter. Now we're coming to a man named Barnabas here in Acts chapter 11. I love this kind of cycle that we have here of seeing the people that God uses and the way he uses those people in different ways for different reasons and different seasons, but all for the same purpose of the glory of God's church. And so here we look at Barnabas, we look at Barnabas, and as Barnabas comes and as Barnabas is used by God, we're going to revisit and now from here look forward just to the ministry of a man named Paul. But it's going to start with a man named Barnabas. And here's what I love about this portion of Scripture here. We're going to see a foundation that we see about the church. We see that the church is strengthened and then the church is sent. And that becomes a cycle for the body of Christ, is that we are strengthened as a body. We're strengthened here as the members of the household of God. But we're not just strengthened to stay. We're strengthened so that we can be sent out. And that's exactly how the church is going to continue to move because we are not an organization. We are a living organism. We are the body of Christ, the living body of Christ. One body, many members, but we're here today to continue to know I'm called to be discipled in the name of Jesus. I'm called to grow, but I'm ultimately called not just to be discipled, I'm also called to be deployed. And so today we're going to see that today. So if you will, for the honor of God's word, let's stand back up one more time together today. And as we see the church strengthened, as we see the church sent, we're going to see the church multiplied one person at a time. Chapter 11, verse 19, the Word of God reads to us this. It says, So then those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen, they made their way to Phoenicia and to Cyprus and where? To Antioch. And what were they doing? They were speaking the Word to who? To no one except the Jews alone. But there were some of them. There were some men from Cyprus and Cyrene. They came to Antioch, and they began speaking to the Greeks also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed, those, those turned to the Lord. This is the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Have a seat today, if you will. Keep the text open before you. I'm going to invite you to take the backside of the worship God. We're going to plug in some things together as we go together through the Word. And again, we're going to see just this mighty move of God multiplying his church, the mighty move of God strengthening his church, and the mighty move of God sending his church back out to make a difference in this world. So here we're going to see two things that really give us a missional mindset. How do we as a church keep and maintain a missional mindset? How do we not lose focus? How do we not lose momentum? How do we stay focused and fixed on what God has called us to do and not get I guess sidelined or sidetracked by something else. We're going to see two things for a missional mindset. Here's number one. We see effective evangelism that explodes. Are we going to see effective evangelism? A church that has a missional mindset is going to be focused on effective evangelism, and that's effective evangelism that explodes. Where do we see that? Back to our text, verse 19. So then those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen, they made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except the Jews alone. 
But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, so not necessarily from Jerusalem, but men who were outside of Jerusalem that got saved, who came to Jerusalem, filled the Holy Spirit, now coming back out. They went to Antioch. All right, they went a little further south. They came to Antioch, and they began speaking to the Greeks, also pre- preaching to them who the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a large number who believed, those people turned to the Lord. So don't you notice right here, those who were scattered... They were preaching the gospel exclusively to the Jews. It's an interesting detail. And, and what's interesting about this is the, those who are scattered, and you're going to think about, well, who's, who's scattered and why are we being scattered? What's that mean? If you've not been with us in, in the book of Acts, you go back to Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7, the church is multiplying. People are getting saved by the thousands. Jerusalem has been overrun by Christians. Obviously, the Roman uh, Empire has something to do with this, but then the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the whole council of those religious leaders, they, they oppose the Christian movement because they deny Jesus as a Savior. And so there's a man named Saul, and Saul leads a persecution. And Paul leads a persecution against the church, and the church people are literally gathered out of their homes and dragged off to jail. So moms and dads, men and women, are taken out of homes, taken to jail, and it kind of ends with this climatic moment where a man named Stephen is preaching the gospel, and they take him out of the city, and they stone him to death. And who's right there at the stoning of Stephen? They all lay their coats at the feet of a man named Saul. He's overseeing the whole entire execution, and from that moment, the church begins to scatter, and that's when all the multiplication begins to take place. They begin to move the gospel to the ends of the earth, and so it's interesting that the reason they're scattering is going to be ultimately the man who comes to help lead the discipleship here. So they were scattering, and they were preaching, and they were preaching to the Jews, and you think, well, again, why is that an interesting detail? Because they were preaching to the Jews alone. Because it's always first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. And so they come, and as they went, all the people in Jerusalem, the Christians, they would go and just preach the gospel that Jesus has come. The Messiah has arrived. That the Christ is here. And they would always go first to the Jews. And so they would go to the synagogues. But a group of them, it says on their way, a people who from Cyprus and Cyrene, a group of them, they came to Antioch and they were preaching to the Greeks. So now they're not just preaching to the Jews. Now they say, hey, this is good news for everybody, not just for the Jews, not just for Israel. I've got good news for you. If you're lost, I've got a Savior who wants to find you. If you're broken, I've got a Savior who wants to put you back together. If you are needing a Savior, I've got salvation in Jesus' name. And so they come and they begin to preach that Jesus is what? Lord. Look at verse 20. They preached the Greeks also preaching the Lord Jesus. They preached a same message, but with a different method. And why do you make that distinction? Because notice, they didn't preach that Jesus was the Christ. Now, that's what you would tell the Jews, right? You would tell the Jews Jesus is the Christ because what have they been waiting on their entire life? Ever since the prophecies, they've been waiting on a Savior. They've been waiting on a Messiah. They've been waiting on Christ the Lord, right? You go back to Isaiah chapter 7, Isaiah chapter 9. There's all the promises. There's all the prophecies of God that he would deliver them a Savior. He would deliver them a Christ. And it would all come because of this great promise that God made with his people. But guess who's not God's people? The Greeks. The Gentiles. If you had mentioned the title Christ, like who? What? We don't have any concept of Messiah. We don't have any concept of the prophecies. We're not the chosen people, so we would have no concept of Christ. And so they come preaching the same message with a different method, and they preach Jesus as Lord. So while they may not be receptive to a Christ, 
they would be receptive to a Lord because what's a Lord? A Lord is someone who leads and rules and reigns in your life. And what they were looking for, just everyone is looking for, is someone who can save them from their sin and give them eternal life. And so they were open to that. And, and when they preached the gospel, there's a Savior who has come. God has given us a Lord to lead us into eternal life and forgiveness of sins. And we're here to tell you the good news. Man, the results were swift. And the results were significant. And what we see here, instead of just an individual Ethiopian in Acts chapter 8 or uh, just a Roman centurion in Acts chapter 10, we see the people coming to God, Gentiles coming to God in a large way, right? A large number who believe turned to the Lord in verse 21. And I love that because what we see here is that, hey, we have the same message always. The message is eternal. Jesus is the only way to be saved. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. God has done it for us because we couldn't save ourselves, right? The message is the same, but the methods can be used in different ways. Someone might receive the gospel in one way, and someone might receive the gospel in a different way over here. And so we preach the same message, but we always do it with a different method because here's what we see. It says the news about them, or sorry, the hand of the Lord is with them, and a large number who believe they turned to the Lord. So once you see that when the Holy Spirit has his hand upon the church, growth is always going to follow. It's going to be deep. It's going to be wide, and it's going to be far-reaching. But when the Holy Spirit has his hand upon a church, man, the results are often unusual. They're often unexpected, but they are always extraordinary. And so let me challenge you with this one application right here. As we think about this first part of this text, effective evangelism is this. Don't only love the God of the harvest, but also love the harvest of God. Don't just love the God of the harvest. That's that's what we've got to love our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's a great commandment, but we also need to love the harvest of God, the great commission, right? So we love the great commandment. We live out the great commission, and so we see that these people, I love that these people went, these unnamed people from Cyprus and Cyrene, they went to Antioch, and and what I love about these nameless believers, they have no official instructions. They've got no apostle coming alongside of them. They've got no mentioned qualifications. All we see about them, they had a deep love for Jesus, They they had a passion to preach the gospel, and they had the hand of God upon them. What else did they need, right? They've got a love for Jesus. They've got the power of God. They've got the Holy Spirit, and they've got the good news of Jesus. You don't need anything else to be effective, right? If you've got a love for people coming to be saved, man, God's going to use you. If you go out and just preach the gospel to everyone who has ears, God is going to use you, right? You're going to go plant, you're going to go water, you're going to do whatever. Maybe you're going to bear the fruit, but God is going to use you. And so we see that these people had a love for the harvest. And I wonder how much love do we have to see people get saved by Jesus over and over and over again. I'll tell you what, I'll never get over it. Every baptism, Every life change in Jesus' name story, every time we see someone come and make a, make a change for Christ and Christ make a change in them, man, it gets me excited. This is what I wake up and live for every single day, see people come to know Jesus. And so I challenge you, love the harvest of God. Love to see people come to know Christ. And just like these people, man, go out and do whatever it takes to see people come to know Jesus. And so we see effective evangelism is always going to explode. But then we see, secondly, we see the empowering encouragement that is going to endure. All right, empowering encouragement that endures. What do, we, what do we see that? Let's go to verse 22. The news about them, the news about who? The Greeks coming to, to know Jesus. The news about Gentiles. This is the first time this has happened. All right, again, we've had isolated cases, the Ethiopian eunuch, 
Roman centurion. We've had isolated cases, but now we're seeing it on a large scale. Now we're seeing a, like a Gentile revival. So the news about them reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem. Why the church at Jerusalem? Remember, the believers are scattered, but most of the apostles stayed put. All right, so they stayed there. And as, the, as they came, they kind of set up HQ in, in Jerusalem, FBC Jerusalem. And when the news arrived and, and when they heard about this, and they sent out Barnabas. They sent out old Barnabas. He's an encourager. And they sent him down to Antioch. When he arrived and he witnessed the grace of God, what did he do? He rejoiced. Your text might say he was glad. All right, so he rejoiced. He was glad. And he began to encourage them with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. Why? He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, full of faith, and considerable numbers, large numbers were being brought to the Lord. But then it says in verse 25, and he left for Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for an entire year, they met with the church and taught considerable numbers. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. All right, so now we again to turn our attention from seeing this major explosive growth through evangelism. People sharing the gospel, people coming to Christ. And then the, the news of these Greeks of following Jesus, the news of this Gentile revival, it gets back to Jerusalem, and they send out Barnabas. Hey, Barnabas, I want you to go down there for, for affirmation. We also want you to go down there for accountability. I want you to go down there and see what's going on and make sure everything's being done the right way. And when Barnabas shows up, Barnabas sees a new thing that God is doing. And Barnabas sees God's Spirit at work in a different way, probably anything different than he ever expected, probably a different worship service he's ever been a part of. He shows up and sees the church gathered. He shows up and sees the Spirit moving. And instead of criticizing, what does he do? He rejoiced. Man, he was glad. He said, look at God. Man, he's working down here in these people. He's working maybe in quote-unquote the wrong type of people, but he's working and he's moving. And I love that Barnabas, he showed up and he said, hey, I'm excited to see that God's moving and, and God's moving. And who am I to stop this? Who am I to manipulate this? And so I want you to see a couple points of application for old Barnabas right here. And here's number one. I want you to be willing to serve a work that God is already doing. Be willing to serve a work that God is already doing. Barnabas, again, he's not the, he's not the church planner of Antioch. He's not the pastor of Antioch. He shows up. He sees God at work. He sees God on the move. And he comes, and, and even though worshiping with Gentiles was a brand new church experience for him, he, he's going to worship with people he's never worshiped with before. All right? Just keep that in mind. He's only worshiped with Jews and likely only worshiped at the temple. That's where they've all gathered. That's where they've been. And now he's worshiping with Gentiles, most likely not at temple because they weren't allowed. And here they are with a brand new church experience. And he did not show with any plan or any preferences of his own. He didn't show up and say, oh, whoa, 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 wrong songs, guys. In fact, I got a book, all right, and here's the book of the right songs to sing. Whoa, 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 wrong style, guys. This is not the way we do church. And hey, wrong order of service. You need to put it here and here and here. Right? These are the way we do things up in Jerusalem. Y'all need to do those things down here. He didn't show up with anything like that. He showed up and saw God working in a new way. He saw God working in a different way, and he was glad. Man, he was excited. And what did he do? He encouraged them. Hey, keep going. Man, keep reaching people. Keep using whatever God's given you to use and, and keep making much of him. Keep stewarding the gospel well that creates disciples. Y'all just keep doing what God's doing. And he encouraged them just to keep doing what God wanted them to do. In other words, they weren't joining him. He was joining them. Right? When you join New Life Baptist Church, we aren't joining you. You're joining us, right? 
That's how it, how it happens around here. We're a part of the movement of God, and we want to join what God is doing. We're not trying to join what John's doing. We're not trying to join what you're doing. We want to serve the work that God is doing, right? And so they're serving the work that God is moving and how he's moving. And I was just challenged. I wonder how many of us are glad and rejoice like Barnabas when things are new and different. Isn't that the conundrum of the human condition? We know things need to change, but we want things to stay the same. That's how it all is for all of us, right? I love change, but man, I love consistency. I love things to be new and different, but man, I love the way things used to be. There are clothes that I'm like, I can't get rid of that. That's nostalgic for me, right? But I also love new things. And so there's this conundrum we have in the human condition of we want things to be different, but we want things to stay the same. But I would challenge you to have a heart like Barnabas. Hey, God, whatever you want to do, I'm all for it. If it's new, if it's different, I don't care. I'll rejoice in a new song. I'll rejoice in a new style. I'll rejoice in a new building. I'll rejoice in a new way. I'll rejoice in a new method, God, whatever you're doing in a new generation. God, I want to see you moving. I'm on board. I'm on board with your Holy Spirit, God. So whatever you do, however you do it, God, even if it's not the way I would do it, God, there's so much more that you want to do that's bigger than me. And so Barnabas had this great attitude, and he encouraged him, keep going. Keep doing whatever God's calling you to do. Even if it's different than how I would do it, I want to see God moving. Barnabas saw the evidence of God at work, and he was glad, and he encouraged them just to do one thing, to remain true to the Lord with all their heart. Whatever you do, however you do it, there's only one anchor. There's only one foundation, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. So everything else can be different. That can't change. And he remained them to just remain, be true to the Lord. And he was willing to join them and say, I'm not willing to get in God's way. I'm getting on board. And so be willing to serve a work that God is already doing. Barnabas teaches us that. Here's the second thing he teaches us. Be willing to share a work that God is already doing. Not only just serve a work, be willing to share a work. Look in verse 25. And he left for Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for an entire year, they met with the church and taught considerable numbers, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Here's what I love about Barnabas. We meet Barnabas in Acts chapter 4. He sells a whole field of his, and he brings all the profit, all the money. He lays it at the disciples' feet. He says, hey, this is for the whole body. I don't need it. I'm here just to serve the body. I'm here to meet needs of people. I just want to encourage and love. That's Barnabas's MO. And I love about Barnabas even here in this place. In verse 25 and 26, we see his heart revealed again. What I love about Barnabas, it was never about him. Never. Never about him. He never had to have the stage. He never had to have his ways met. He never had to have his preferences in place. He never had to have the glory. He never had to have first place. It was never about Barnabas because he goes out. He sees God moving in a mighty way in a new place, in a different setting. And he left for Tarsus, verse 25, and he begins to look for someone named Saul. And here's what I love about Barnabas. Here's what we don't know. Scripture doesn't tell us that Barnabas is supposed to go get Saul. God doesn't tell him to do that. Scripture's silent. Maybe God did tell him to do that. Maybe he didn't. We don't know for sure, but it just says that he did, that he went out and got Saul. Maybe he needed help with all the discipleship. Maybe he needed help because he was excited about all that God is doing, and I want someone else to come be a part of this. I need another leader to join me and to help this church. Maybe he just wanted someone else to come in and have some, some leadership with him, or maybe he thought, you know what? I need someone more gifted than me to come lead this movement. I need someone like a Saul to come take it to the next level because perhaps I'm the ceiling and I'm the cap and I don't want to be in God's way. I want to steward it better, even if it means that I'm not the lead. Because it starts off Barnabas and Saul 
But you're going to read on, the wording even is going to change. I think the scripture is intentional on that. It becomes Saul and Barnabas. All of a sudden, Saul becomes Robin, right? He becomes a sidekick. He's the associate pastor. He's pastor in waiting. He's a different pastor. He's going to be a church planner. He's the new guy in place. And so we see this mighty move where Barnabas becomes all of a sudden serving the work and sharing the work that God's doing because it's not about him. It was never about him. He only wanted to see the gospel go deeper, go wider, and go further. And he knew that he could not stand in the way. And if he did, it was because he was not willing to share the ministry, to share the, the expectations that God had, to share the, the stewardship that God had in place for me. And I love that we have that here, man. I love that I'm just a part, right? I'm just a part of the body of Christ because you guys are doing ministry. All right, you guys are doing ministry in our choir. You're doing ministry in our life groups, our men's and women's ministries, our, all of our life groups. Man, we are sharing the ministry, amen? You are making disciples because it's not me. It's not about me. It's not about Cody. It's not about Clay. It's not any of our pastors. It is about the body of Christ being used for the glory of Christ. And so he was willing to share the work. And here's what he teaches us last. You will always be faithful when you put others first. You will always be faithful when you put others first. Even Jesus would tell us the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Barnabas, man, what I love about Barnabas, man, he has such a missional mindset. He had new wineskins ready to receive new wine. It wasn't like, no, God, you got to work this way. <laughs> this is how I prefer it. He's like, no, God, here's my new wineskins. Fill it up. Whatever you're going to do, new wine, bring it. Revelation, Jesus makes all things new. And so we see this missional mindset of, of Barnabas just to be ready to do whatever God wanted him to do. And if we are going to ever see the kingdom of God multiply, it's because we have a mindset that's always missional. We've got to be missional. We've got to be willing to do whatever it takes to see one more person come to Jesus Christ. Amen? So here's the takeaway for us, church. Let's make this real. Let's make this easy to apply. Go where you're sent. Stay where you're put. And give all you've got. Go where you're sent, stay where you're put, and give all you've got. Wherever you are, be all there. Wherever God has you, be there. Do whatever it takes. Right? Your mission field's always right between your own two feet, and we want to serve God where we are. And so here's what I would challenge you to make this, kind of break that down and make this applicable for us. Number one, go where you're sent, stay where you're put, and give all you've got. Don't get complacent and don't get comfortable. All right, don't get complacent as a believer in your own life. Don't get complacent in a congregational setting. Don't get complacent. Don't get comfortable. I believe complacency and comfort are great enemies to the church. They're great enemies to the movement of God. Why? Because when we get complacent and we get comfortable, we say, God, we're good. You can stop right there. We don't want to see anything else happen. We don't want anything else moved. We don't want anything else in my life to, to be changed, God. We just want you to stay where you are and everything stay the same. And we'll be okay until we go home. That's an attitude of complacency and comfort, and that's a mindset of maintenance. If I can just maintain this thing until it's done, then we'll be all good. But an attitude of mission is saying, God, I want to go wherever you want me to go. And God, I want to do whatever you want me to do. And God, I want to be whoever you want me to be. And God, I'm willing to do it for you. And so, Lord Jesus, I will preach my heart out. And I'm going to partner with your spirit because, God, I don't want to be in maintenance mode. I want to be on mission. So don't get complacent. Don't get comfortable. But number two, do remain consistent. Do remain consistent. What do you mean by that? We're going to go back to our text in verse 26. For an entire year, 
they met with the church and taught considerable numbers. And who? The disciples. All right, not just followers of Jesus, not worship attenders, but the disciples, followers of Christ that became devoted disciples. They were first called Christians at Antioch. So we see Barnabas and Saul willing to go where they're sent and to stay where they're put and to give all they've got. And for an entire year, they discipled the church. And that's going to accumulate itself in chapter 13. They're going to send them back out. And Antioch will be the first church in the New Testament to reproduce, right? to multiply, to send out other believers and go plant multiple churches. This will be the hub now of the missional church right here in Antioch. Why? Because they discipled and they deployed. And so I want to challenge you, for you as a believer here at New Life Baptist Church, will you stay and give all you have? Will you do whatever it takes to disciple someone in the church? Maybe it's in a life group setting. Maybe it's you just taking a guy out to lunch or breakfast every week and discipling a younger man in the faith or a younger woman in the faith. Older women do those things. We can disciple people and we can give all we have and we can do whatever it takes to strengthen, sustain, and send the church. So I want to challenge us to do this individually. I want to challenge us to do this corporately as a body. I want to challenge us to be a missional church that does not get complacent or comfortable, but we remain consistent to do whatever God has called us to do and to always keep pushing towards the kingdom of God advancing out of this place. Amen. We thank you for listening. Be sure to click the subscribe button on this podcast so you don't miss out on any and all of our future content. We pray you were encouraged by the word of God today. If you feel that the Lord is leading you to make a decision or have questions, you can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, or at our website at newlifebaptist.faith.